This is The Writer's Voice, new fiction from The New Yorker. I'm Deborah Treisman, fiction editor at The New Yorker. On this episode of The Writer's Voice, we'll hear Emma Klein read her story, The Iceman, from the August 23, 2021 issue of the magazine. Klein's first novel, The Girls, a winner of the Shirley Jackson Award, came out in 2016, and her story collection, Daddy, was published last year. Now here's Emma Klein. The Iceman. First, he readied the king and the queen. A quick pass with a Lysol wipe around their molded plastic surfaces before returning the pieces to their proper place on the oversized chessboard. Each piece came up to his knee. Sam had never seen a hotel guest actually play chess on this huge board. He had seen guests pose for photos, though, cradling the pieces in their arms or pretending to be mid-move, faces frozen in faux contemplation. Once Valeria politely chased after a bachelor party that had absconded with a pawn, she found it in the hallway of the North Building, abandoned among all the stinking room service trays. Sam's own brief stint working room service had been a queasy experiment in holding his breath, collecting the tiny, miserable autopsies, the fatty, congealed steaks, and the pitchers of unused cream and the bald saran wrap wet with condensation. He'd been a vegan almost two years now. Each slab of uneaten hamburger he'd cleaned up reinforced his resolve. The cold, crumbly flesh sacrificed for what? Absolutely nothing. Much better to be on pool duty. People mostly ordered drinks. He liked that he basically worked outside. It was a pretty place and the temperature was nice this time of day before the sun came over the mountains. The grounds were always fairly cool because of the landscaping. The water bill was probably insane. Green everywhere you looked. The same playlist started every day around 10 a.m. Piped through speakers behind the aloe plants, emanating across the lawn where the wild bunnies often appeared, the lizards jittering in the bushes. Love, thy will be done. A slow pulse under the lyrics, the same rhythm as his heartbeat. Sam had heard this song, what, hundreds of times. Sam wore white pants and white sneakers and a white sweatshirt that had the recipe for the hotel's signature cocktail on the back, punctuated by graphic lemons and limes. It was actually easier than he'd imagined having an all-white uniform. You could just bleach it, Joris showed him. Did it surprise Sam, his 50-year-old roommate, suddenly knowledgeable about household matters? Joris didn't have a bed frame, but he'd been right. Sam's white Levi's came out blinding. More life advice from Joris. Avoid a sunburn at all costs. Joris had not heeded this in his sun-worshipping youth, his decades spent as a campground manager all over the Southwest. You know what a sunburn is, Joris said? A sunburn is your skin cells committing suicide so they don't turn cancerous. Sam had not fact-checked this, but it sounded right. And, if it was true, Sam had watched so many slow-motion suicides at this job. The roasting men whose teeth looked suddenly white against their scarlet skin. The rosy mottled shoulders of the pale Europeans. The pathological tans of the professional sunbathers. 
If you thought too long about any of it, you could get a little queasy. All this cooking flesh, all these ripply ass cheeks and freckled, sun-damaged chests that went scalloped with age. Sam finished setting out the chess pieces, placed the freshly sanitized ping pong paddles on the table at an inviting angle. He went into the back room to mark this off on the clipboard. On to the next task, Sam set out the cushions, wiped down the slats of the cabanas. Even overnight, dirt collected. He balled up the used rags and tossed them overhead into the garbage bin. They dropped in with a pleasing noise. Nice, Anthony said. He was cutting limes at his prep station, kitted out in a plastic face shield and a mask. Even this early, Anthony was making drinks. People on vacation did not observe a drinking schedule other than the lack of one. Sam wore a face shield too. It turned into a little sauna if he stood too long in the sun and he smelled his sweat trapped behind the plastic. But it wasn't so annoying. You got used to it. You could get used to most anything, was Wim Hof's philosophy. You could train yourself to get used to it. Sam had been deep in a Wim Hof hole lately. The YouTube videos, the podcasts. Wim Hof had once run a marathon in Namibia without drinking any water. Wim Hof had set a world record for the longest swim under ice. Wim Hof had attempted to climb Mount Everest in shorts. This was all part of the Iceman way. Endurance conditioning. Wim Hof suggested cold showers to stimulate the vagus nerve, a special breathing technique, a cycle of 40 quick breaths, then holding in one big breath until your head went swimming. Sam did this on the drive to work, following a video he played on his phone. He got back into running after work, high-intensity interval training. No more evening beers, no more vaping. His body felt compact and close to the bone. The three pillars of the Wim Hof method, breathing, cold therapy, and most important, commitment. What are you capable of, Wim Hof asked, and the answer was much more than you knew. A comforting thought. A trip to restock the mini fridges in the cabanas with sparkling water. Then a pleasant walk, carrying a plastic wrapped fruit bowl to the group who'd rented out 20 South. Their five kids had spent yesterday bawling around the pool, leaping in with starfish arms and legs, coughing full force into the water without covering their mouths, probably pissing too. How hygienic could the pool be? Ever since they'd reopened, Alejandro came twice a day to test the water, kneeling by the hot tub in his chinos, doing his chemical business. The sight seemed to soothe people. Someone was worrying, so they didn't have to. A couple arrived at the pool, the man's face maybe Nordic, a little angular and his hair a little wisp. Perhaps he was familiar with Wim Hof, one of his countrymen, sort of. The wife was in a one-piece. Baby moon? Hard to tell. Baby moon, a word Sam had never heard until he started working here. He got them settled, brought them extra towels. The man wanted a beer. The wife wanted a Bloody Mary, so not a baby moon. Thanks, hun, the wife said, her smile real enough. By noon, the loungers were half full. Some guests looked a little costumey. Pink sunglasses and floor-length dresses and shimmery swimsuits with metal chains for straps. 
The idea of being on vacation sent people into a frenzy, their clothes communicating the message that they were starring in a movie called Pleasure. Sam circulated with complimentary smoothie shots. Do these have dairy? A woman asked. Fewer and fewer people consume dairy these days, or so it seemed. But then the woman ordered the chicken tacos, so it wasn't a vegan thing. Joris had shown Sam a video on his phone one night, a pig in a slaughterhouse. How could anyone have kept eating meat after seeing that video? The pig in so much fear, literally stumbling in fright, his pig legs collapsing. His eyes had looked so human. That was all it took for Sam. No more meat, no more eggs, no more dairy. Joris approved. He was a vegan too, though less concerned than Sam about monitoring protein intake and repulsed by the vegan snack foods that Sam brought home, the dairy-free ice cream that tasted waxy and took forever to melt. Everything was so complicated nowadays, Joris said. He meant the way Sam exercised or his plant-based muscle milks. People tried to optimize too many things. The concept of life hacks disturbed Joris. You know what the ultimate life hack is, Joris said? Death. Joris kept things simple. Walks outside, basic meals he ate over and over, mostly a lentil mix he called kitchery. The world's perfect food, he said. He rinsed off aluminum foil and reused it. Kept painter's tape by the fridge to label old applesauce jars he filled with a puce-colored soup. He wasn't a bad roommate. Sometimes Sam had a terrible apprehension of being 50 and still living with roommates, of being Joris. But Joris seemed happy enough. Sam was 19 when he moved in with Joris, just out of an unsuccessful stint at junior college. Sam was, at the time, perhaps too into having fun, robo-tripping and Fortnite and dirt bikes with Benny, who post-DUI, had become very inventive with non-car modes of transportation. Sam and Benny kept a feral kitten in a dresser drawer at Benny's house, took nighttime rides in the Arroyo on the quad that belched sickly smoke, Sam riding in back, breathing his hoppy breath into Benny's jacket, or on one of the bikes Benny modified with crappy engines. School had seemed beside the point. Where was Benny now? He had moved up north for trimming season. He had claimed to be fucking the wives of tech millionaires who hired him for surf lessons before he fell out of touch completely. And that was probably a good thing. Certain people, as Wim Hof said, kept you from operating at your highest frequency. In the past year or two, Sam had basically stopped smoking, drugging, drinking too, empty calories, an unnecessary indulgence. Sam had thought Joris would vibe with Wim Hof, Wim, the Iceman, but Joris found him vulgar or something, too abstemious. Wim Hof didn't do drugs because he said he could release DMT from his brain at will. Isn't that insane? Joris didn't seem impressed. He knows 10 languages, Sam told Joris, like he taught himself. Joris grunted over his kitchery and he can control his boners with his mind, like a girl could be touching him and he could not get hard. Joris didn't even bother to look up. What's the point of that, he said. I mean, if a girl is touching your dick, why on earth would you not want to get hard? Sam didn't have a good answer. 
Quiet today, midweek. Spring break was over. The same song repeated on the playlist. Sam had heard it so many times at this point that it bypassed something in his brain and failed to even register as a song, more like a sub-perceptual murmur. I can no longer hide, I can no longer run. Anthony flipped the blender switch, stared placidly at the churning contents. If it was a slow day, they were meant to busy themselves by circulating with water for the guests. Sam filled plastic cups with ice water and arranged them on a yellow tray. The ice crackled audibly. He made his way down the rows of loungers. He had got good at gauging which people didn't want to be disturbed, a stiffening in their aura. He left those guests alone. Otherwise, Sam paused at a guest's side with his tray. It's getting a little warm out, he'd say, offering a benign smile behind his mask. On his rounds, Sam clocked a woman with curly hair and high-heeled sandals walking into the pool area, already carrying a glass of champagne. She wasn't wearing a mask. The first few weeks after reopening, maybe a manager would have gone over and quietly asked the woman to please remember to keep her mask on whenever she wasn't sitting down, but any actual follow-up had been rare. Lately, in the past month, the guests had stopped recoiling from any accidental contact, especially a few drinks in, even handing over their phones and asking Sam to take their picture. But the staff still had to perform all the rituals and to make sure the performance was obvious. The instant a guest left, Valeria wiped down the lounger with bleach spray, her ass bobbing in her white jeans as she scrubbed hard. A couple in their well-groomed 40s waved Sam over. Can I have some more shade, the woman said. Can we move the umbrella? Okay, Sam said brightly. It's cemented to the floor, though, the umbrella. I can put it down some? The man watched Sam with interest. Let's see what happens. Sam had to stand very close to the woman to adjust the umbrella. Her swimsuit bottom had a twist in the front that looked like a hernia. Little tits. The man seemed to think Sam's attempts at scraping together some shade had been passable. He dismissed him with a brief nod. Back at the towel stand, Sam watched the woman smooth sunscreen on her legs, working up her thighs to the crotch of her swimsuit. She pulled her bikini bottom to the side to more thoroughly coat herself, not even a flash of hair there. He averted his eyes. Wearing the mask made him feel invisible, like no one could see him, but of course people could. You got into a little trance with the gentle slap of flip-flops on the flagstones, the low-stakes vacation chatter, someone typing on a rose-gold laptop that glinted in the sun. Sam drank from his Nalgene whenever he went in the back. Even on a nice day, you got dehydrated quicker than you realized, unless you were the Iceman. I'm so sorry about that, he heard Valeria say to someone. He didn't want to look over to see what she might possibly be apologizing for. Valeria's husband worked at a retirement home and had spent basically the last year living in his brother's empty apartment for safety reasons. Their reunion was approaching, but Valeria had told Sam she was not looking forward to it, like at all. It turned out she liked sleeping alone. The young couple came in around 2 p.m. The man was probably 30. The girl was maybe younger, maybe Sam's age. 
He knew without knowing how exactly that they had come from LA. LA people had a recognizable vibe. The man had a backpack and a paper grocery bag, a key ring sagging from his belt loop. Joris hated those things. What, he said, you can't figure out the subtleties of a pocket? The girl was in cutoffs and a man's button up with those Birkenstocks that made your feet look like hooves. Sam used to assume people who dressed like that weren't rich and then understood quickly that sometimes this meant they were especially rich. The couple conferred with each other before the girl approached Sam, pulling her mask on half-heartedly. It bloused out around her face. Can we store some bags with you? The girl's voice was pitched artificially high. They'd checked in, she explained, gotten their key card, but the room wasn't ready yet. Of course. Sam smiled, accepting their weekend bag, the backpack, the grocery bag. He arranged them out of sight behind the towel stand. Actually, can we just grab our swimsuits, the girl said. Sorry. She came around the towel stand, squatting by the bags and digging before unearthing the bathing suits. Sorry, she said again. She had disturbed the contents of the grocery bag. He could now see a bag of lays, a single tennis shoe, a pair of women's underwear with a faint nebula of staining on the crotch. They came back from the bathroom, having changed into their swimsuits. The girl's bikini was cut above her belly button. That seemed to be a fashion lately, a kind of pin-up vintage thing. Her ass sagged a little. Skinny fat, as they said. The man's nipples were ringed in black hair, his pale chest unappealing. It surprised Sam that neither of them had any visible tattoos. They wore matching Ray-Bans. They ordered a pina colada split between two glasses. They argued good-naturedly over what food they wanted. Sam stood there, a single drop of sweat making its slow way down the back of his neck. Sam idled by the mister near the towel stand. It felt nice on his arms, the barest suggestion of moisture. He surveyed the scene. The guests looked sometimes like drowsy animals by a watering hole, lolling around, moving their bodies only from their loungers to the pool. Something primitive about their steady imbibing of food and drink, their sleepy yawns, their masticating jaws working through crab cakes. He could hear but not see Valeria talking to the champagne woman. And do we already have a tab open, Valeria said. It's room 43 North. Do you speak Spanish, the woman said. Tu hablas español? Anthony heard this exchange. He rolled his eyes at Sam. Valeria answered cheerfully in Spanish. But the woman's response when it came was also in Spanish and actually sounded pretty fluent. And they chatted for a good while, she and Valeria. Anthony shrugged like this was a disappointment. Sam ferried over the young couple's food. Thank you, the man said, reaching for the plate before Sam could set it on the side table. By the time he walked away, the man had already disappeared two of the shrimp and was about to get to work on the quesadilla. They drained their half pina coladas, the striped paper straws disintegrating. The girl put the oversized button up back on, then took it off. She was not exactly pretty, her features a little vague. She had an obvious zit on her chin. Sam watched her take a series of selfies. When he collected their empty plates, he saw that she was studying a picture, zooming in on the zit while her other hand touched her chin. 
Isn't that the guy from the show, Anthony said, when Sam dumped their dirty dishes? What show? You know, he was the one, the weird one, who has the cat. Sam had never heard of the show. It was off the air, apparently. And the man did not look familiar. He looked ordinary. An ordinary man. Even so, Sam was slightly nicer to the couple after that. He brought them a round of ice water. The girl had a book out that she hadn't opened. They drank their water quickly, ordered another round. When Sam came to clear their empties, he peered more closely at the man. He really didn't seem famous. Sam was better looking than he was. Anthony, too. The beard he kept so hyper-groomed that it looked like someone had sharpied it on his jaw. Anthony took a discreet photo of the couple, his phone mostly hidden behind the counter. They were far away. Surely the photo didn't actually capture any specifics, but Anthony seemed to enjoy documenting even the minor celebrities among them. And not so minor. They had actual famous people stay, often. Most recently, a Victoria's Secret model who played ping pong with her children and had the slim hips of a 12-year-old boy, a perfect little scooped ass that was tanned the exact color of the rest of her body. She kept all her jewelry on in the water. The model's body fat, according to Sam's best guess, probably hovered somewhere around 7%. Sam's own body fat was stalled at 15%. He'd love to get it down to 12 or 13, real athlete levels. What was Vim Hoff's body fat? He should look it up. No one had touched the ping pong table, but Sam wiped it down anyway, as required, checking off the task on the clipboard. When did it become obvious that the young couple had taken something? They had certainly been giggling a lot, but everyone giggled a lot, poolside, like every emotion was turned up to a slightly cartoonish level. They were both still wearing sunglasses, so Sam couldn't see their pupils but the girl had not been able to hold in her laugh when Sam brought them fresh drinks, and there was a wet, anxious quality to the laughter. Thanks, the girl said, but she kept giggling, turning to press her face into her towel. She let out a little gasp. The guy said thank you, too, but he was barely holding it together. His teeth weren't very straight. We should, um, I guess we should close out. Certainly. Sam returned with the iPad. The man eyed it warily. Can we just charge it to the room? Of course, sir. Can I just get the last name? This was a task in and of itself. The man seemed distracted. He pushed his sunglasses up his forehead. Finally, he appeared to remember that Sam was standing there, and he provided his last name. Unprompted, he spelled it out for Sam. M-A-N, the man finished, as in man. He thumped himself on the chest, then gazed upward with a thoughtful air. Oh, he said, wait, we're leaders of the world. Sam looked at him. Sorry? The girl laughed. No, she said, writhing a little. He's being dumb. He means leading hotels of the world. He's a member. Oh, Sam said, yes, right. It was some kind of rewards club linked to a certain credit card. The man shrugged. Don't we get, like, a food and beverage credit? That's actually just for the restaurant and just at breakfast. Sam kept smiling. For leading hotels of the world members. They already seemed bored with this detour. Neither of them responded. Sam found their reservation in the system, found their room. 
Great, he said, all set. Can I get a signature? The man stared at the screen. Uh, he smiled anxiously. I'll do it, the girl said. Sam held out the iPad and her wet fingers slid around as she attempted to sign the screen. She managed only an X. Good enough. Sam smiled at the air beside her face. When he left, he had the uncomfortable feeling that they were watching him go. But then, back at the towel stand, he saw they hadn't noticed his departure. Or if they had, he couldn't tell. Their sunglasses were back on. On the other side of the pool, a white-haired man vacated his lounger. He left behind an empty Red Bull can, a wadded-up napkin, a nest of damp towels. Even through the mask and the face shield, Sam could smell the man's body emanating from the armful of used towels. It was obscenely personal, like encountering a flash of the man's soul. Sam dropped the towels in the dirty bin. Over the next hour, Sam kept an eye on the couple from his post. They'd closed out but hadn't made any move to leave. He was watching out for them. They needed it. The sun had shifted enough that both of their loungers were in full sun. Burn, Sam thought. They're both going to get burned. The man got to his feet, slowly, very slowly. He walked to the lip of the pool. He took a long time to sit down on the edge, placing one leg and then the other into the water. His face exploded with pleasure. The girl was watching, her smile wavering a little. She made her way over to his side and sat down. They clutched each other with a certain level of drama. Mushrooms, Sam decided, or maybe they'd taken acid. Sam had tried to grow mushrooms in a plastic storage bin back when he'd first started living with Joris, but it had been a while since he'd touched anything of that ilk. Vim Hoff churning out DMT using only his thoughts. Was it possible? The Iceman. 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 Sam said this to himself, Iceman, as he used the scooper to fill the plastic cups from the big chest freezer. He poured water into the cups so they were all at the same level. Doing dumb tasks well and with precision sometimes gave him real pleasure. It wasn't technically time for another round of ice waters, but he wanted to check on the couple. By now, they had made their way back to their loungers. Their towels pulled around their shoulders like capes. Their hair was wet. Oh, wow, the girl said, lurching forward to accept the cup. Thank you. She drank half in one gulp, her towel pooling in her lap. Her face was definitely getting pink, her shoulders and chest too. She looked like she got bad sunburns. They both did. Sam was shy suddenly. They were both looking at him. The air between them seemed fraught, disturbed. He let out his own uneasy chuckle. Enjoy, he said. It was still afternoon, but the energy around the pool had flagged. Guests dispersing for early drinks at the hotel restaurant or going back to their rooms to nap. Still, the young couple persisted. The couple in their 40s was there, too, settled on their loungers, the woman flipping over to nestle her head in her folded arms, the man paging through a biography at a respectable clip. Valeria had taken her break. Anthony had been joined at the bar by Greg, the maestro of the blender. Three more hours before Sam could go home. 
Joris might be out on one of his mysterious evening sojourns. It would be nice to have the apartment to himself. He could take a quick run and a cold shower. Shit, Sam heard Greg say, but he sounded amused. Anthony nudged Sam and nodded wordlessly toward the pool. Of course it was the young couple. The guy had started to get up from the lounger, it looked like, was trying to get to his feet, and he was falling, but it was happening in slow motion. His arms might as well have been cartwheeling. It seemed to take forever. He made a series of stuttered yelps on the way down. Hey, the guy said, hey. The girl was watching, her mouth open. The guy flailed, clutching for the chair, getting a handful of towel, and then finally he toppled over, his body hitting the flagstones. The girl had her hands on her cheeks, stunned. The guy lay there. Sam was preparing himself to make the call to the front desk, already running through the sequence of what would have to happen next, who he'd have to answer to about overserving the guests, and what if the guy was hurt, really hurt. But then the guy was laughing, loudly, a barking laugh, and the girl was laughing too, crawling across his empty lounge chair and slithering over to join him on the ground, and they were clutching each other and rocking back and forth. One of the girl's nipples was visible over the top of her swimsuit. She did not care, obviously. Were they crying with laughter? How many have they had, Valeria said. She had returned from break without Sam's noticing. Maybe two, Sam said. She scoffed. The champagne woman had wrapped a caftan around herself as she surveyed this drama, whispering with high excitement to her companion. The older couple was sitting up too, watching all this unfold with distaste. Already the man looked poised to complain. Valeria sighed. Two rosés, she said to Anthony. She was an old hand. She'd ply the complainers with a round of free drinks, a preemptive apology. It was clear that the young couple was Sam's problem. Go with God, Anthony said. Sam made his way over carefully. He could feel the other guests watching. If Anthony had not told him the man was famous, famous-ish, maybe Sam would have called security. Not to kick the couple out. That never happened. You could basically throw up in the hallway and skinny dip after hours and leave porn playing on your laptop while house cleaning collected your used towels and they would not kick you out. But they might have security pay you a visit might help you to your room or might suggest that you put on a robe next time you let in room service. 800 some dollars a night, 500 in the off season, that bought a lot of leeway. Sam would have to handle this one himself. No security, nothing to offend even a C-list guest, possibly even D-list. He'd have to get more details from Anthony. The area around the couple's loungers looked ravaged, like it had seen wartime. The side table had been knocked over. When had that happened? The girl's book was soaked, the pages already rippling. They were both sunburned, definitely sunburned. Their glasses were nowhere in sight. They clung to each other, still lying on the flagstones. The girl's nipple winked at him. And how, Sam said, are we doing over here? The girl's eyes were shut. At some point, she had popped her zit. It was a bloody dot on her chin. The man opened one eye, roving around before it seemed to click onto Sam's face. He shut it instantly. Fine, he croaked. Can I help you guys to your room? Sam kept his voice gentle but firm. 
This was not the first time he'd had to talk down drugged out people. The L.A. men who gobbled MDMA and sweated in bronzed perfection in the rented cabanas, attacking the plate of chilled watermelon with rapturous murmurs, asking for the music to be turned up, asking for their metal water bottles to be refilled. Or the bachelor party bros who didn't seem to mind that their nostrils were visibly ringed in white powder, like the rims of the salted margaritas they ordered two at a time for efficiency. But this was different. The couple was making a scene, an actual scene. Sam could feel Anthony watching from the bar, the other guests craning their necks. Our room's not ready yet, the guy said from the ground. A mournful note had crept into his voice. He shivered a little, like autumn was coming. I bet it is ready, Sam said cheerfully. Why don't I get your bags and we can get you all set up in your room? It hurt to look at the girl. There was a line where the front of her thighs had burned. The skin would probably blister. The girl slowly opened her eyes but kept them locked on the guy's face. Okay, she said slowly. Yeah, that's a good idea. The guy nodded at her. It's getting cold. I want to take a bath. Her eyes were closed again. As soon as the man started to get up, he was distracted by the puzzle of untangling his limbs from the girl's looking around in a daze, reaching for his towel. I don't know where the key card is, he said. Blessedly, the search was brief. Sam located it under a towel. Great, Sam said, great. Let's just get you guys together. Up we go. He held out his arm for the girl to grab. She did not bother to adjust her swimsuit. Her face was quite sweaty. Okay, Sam said, that's it. Great. The couple were standing at last. The girl scudded her wet feet into her Birkenstocks. The man wrapped a towel around himself. The girl left her book and her button up behind. Sam would collect them later. More important to get the couple to the room. Okay, Sam said, okay. He led them out at a glacial pace, stopping at the towel stand to shoulder their bags. Here we go. Anthony shot him a thumbs up as the trio trooped past. They were mostly silent, the couple, trudging in Sam's wake. He didn't bother to ask them to wear their masks. That was a bridge too far. They seemed grateful for a guide, Sam navigating them along the winding trails to the south building, along the stucco walls, past the bungalows hidden behind a scrim of date palms. He opened the door to the south building, getting hit with a blast of air conditioning. The shining, the girl murmured at the sight of the patterned carpet. She giggled. Ooh, the man said. His smile was wet. Ooh, don't say that. At some point, the girl had fixed her swimsuit. Their room was upstairs. The journey up the staircase was in slow motion. They both gripped the railing hard. Sam turned down a long hallway. We're never going to find our way out, the man said in a sing-song. It's a big building, Sam said mildly. He was going to let the man try the room key, then considered how long they might be standing there and decided to do it himself. He tapped the keypad once with the key card and the light flashed green. All right, he said, holding open the door. They trundled in after him like children. He lined up their bags in the closet by the empty safe. The girl went straight for the bed, flopping herself onto the taut sheets. Her suit had wedged itself into her ass. 
The man sat down on an upholstered bench, huddling the towel around his shoulders. What would Wim Hof make of these people? These soft city people with their weekday psychedelics and the quart of coconut cream and rum settling in their stomachs, their pale skin cooked to scarlet. Everything they did was about being more comfortable, grabbing more pleasure. They could use a bracing, ice-cold shower, a few moments of self-discipline, self-denial. The man had got up and was struggling to open a water bottle. It had a cardboard complimentary tag around the neck. Sam wiped his hands briskly. Well, he said, his voice trailing off, take care. He was about to make his exit when the man waved the bottle at him. Can you open this? Sorry, man. Certainly. Two quick twists and the cap was off. The man descended on it gratefully. He held the water bottle out toward the bed. The girl had turned over and was watching with big eyes. She shook her head. She smiled at Sam. Sam should go, but he didn't. He just kept standing there. Curious. Why, exactly? How would he describe this to Anthony? He had let his mask drop without noticing. It was tucked under his chin. He hadn't even remembered his face shield, hadn't remembered taking it off. The girl scooted up to the pillows. She started to pull at her swimsuit top, then squirmed out of it entirely, both tits in sudden view. She got under the covers with some effort. Sam darted a look at the man. He seemed unbothered by this development. The girl patted the bed. Come here, she said, both of you. Sam cleared his throat. His palms felt sweaty, too meaty. His pants cut into his stomach. He hated that feeling. The flesh squeezed tight. The man was still huddled in the towel. He blinked, looking out the window, then back at the bed. He made his way to the girl and sat at her side. He petted her hair. She nuzzled into his hand. They both laughed. Maybe Sam had misjudged the genre of drug. Maybe they were on MDMA. He should have just escorted them to their door and left immediately. It was wrong to come inside, maybe even against protocol. Come here, the girl said again. She was smiling at Sam. The man was groping one of her tits with a thoughtful, absorbed air. The room was quiet except for the white noise of the air conditioning. Maybe he should go over to the bed. What was the worst thing that could happen? It's okay, the girl said to Sam in a soothing tone, like she could see what he was thinking. Her zit had fully scabbed. She didn't even care. Should he hate them? He was probably supposed to. They weren't even good looking. They weren't even in good shape. It was a late Wednesday afternoon. Didn't these people have jobs? He tried to muster hatred, but it didn't come. It was short-circuited by anxiety, the relentless awareness of his body, his wet hands. He'd get himself to the door, get himself back to the pool. He still had to do both bathrooms before he left for the day, go down the full list, a final wipe down of the chessboard. No one had touched it, he would bet a hundred bucks. Didn't matter. It still had to be cleaned. Why? Because. His heart was pounding. Wim Hof could control his heart rate. Wim Hof ate one meal a day. Wim Hof had a twin. Sam couldn't remember the twin's name. The only salient thing about the twin, Wim Hof's twin, 
was that he couldn't do any of the things that Wim Hof could do. Iceman. He's fine, the girl said, but she was talking to the man. Sam was the he. That snapped him back. These people didn't know his name. Sam steeled himself, backing away a few steps. Have a good evening. The girl pouted. Aw. The guy didn't stop playing with her tit. Thanks a lot, man, he said. You were great. The sun had dropped behind the mountains, the light going purple. A few darting bugs were visible in the clear, sweet air. His mask was on. He smelled the inside of his mouth. He nodded at the guests he passed on the path. His smile was automatic. Back at the bar, the blender was whirring, Anthony manning the controls. He needed to find his face shield. Everything good, Anthony said. Valeria had already gone home. Yeah, they were fine, just wasted. Anthony shrugged like, of course they were. He flicked the blender off and poured the contents into two glasses. Tapping them to settle the liquid, he swiftly and artlessly hooked a cut strawberry on each rim. Okay, he said, another round for the blondes. Sam should have gone over to the bed, seen what would happen. Maybe nothing, but maybe something. And who would ever give him a medal for refusing? Tell him he had done the right thing. It was good to exert self-control, Wim Hof would say. Wasn't that what separated Sam from the couple in the bed? But what exactly was the point again? He went to clean up the loungers the couple had occupied. The girl had forgotten, in addition to the button-up shirt and the waterlogged book, a black leather wallet. He'd leave it all, the whole bundle, at the front desk. Lexi at reception would call the couple's room, reunite them with their missing things. Sam would head home. Sam would do a run, then push the coffee table to the side to make room for a round of sit-ups, burpees, and mountain climbers. Sam would rapidly breathe in and out for 40 quick bursts. Sam would hold his breath, his chest pressurizing, his head tightening, and then in one big release, he would exhale, empty himself. Then he'd do it again, and then again. That was Emma Klein reading her story, The Iceman. This is her fifth story in The New Yorker. You can hear more New Yorker fiction read by the authors on newyorker.com and on the New Yorker apps available from the App Store or from Google Play. On the New Yorker Fiction Podcast, we invite writers to choose stories from the magazine's archives to read and discuss. This month, Anne Patchett reads The Proxy Marriage by Miley Malloy. You can subscribe to that and other New Yorker podcasts by searching for The New Yorker in your podcast app. Tell us what you thought of this podcast by rating and reviewing The Writer's Voice in Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Jordan Batiste and Ross Michaels of North American Plastics. The Writer's Voice is produced by Michelle Moses. I'm Deborah Treisman. Thanks for listening. <laughs>